Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning right here on Backheel.com. We are into the MLS season 2016. Yep, that happened yesterday. A full slate of 10 games. That's not, look, it was great to get it all out there like that, to have this uh, huge explosion of soccer on our Sundays from uh, from early afternoon on the East Coast until late at night. But let's not do that again. I mean, one time to start the season is fine. In fact, it was it was a great way to kind of draw a bunch of attention to the beginning of the 2016 MLS season. But can we... Can we maybe take it easy on the on the ten games in one day thing? Because I mean, I'm tired. I I don't. Are you guys tired? I'm pretty tired. But we're going to ramp up the enthusiasm and get the coffee flowing to talk about the MLS season today with Charlie Bohm from MLSsoccer.com and SoccerWire.com and many other places. You can follow him on Twitter at cobco no c b o e h m. Uh, so Charlie's coming up in a bit. Uh, we'll dive into everything that happened. In fact, let's go through the scores here as we get the news underway on a Monday. It started off with the, with Toronto FC winning on the road at Red Bull Arena, knocking off the defending Supporter Shield uh, winners. Red Bulls 2-0. Javinko scores from the penalty spot. spot. Marky Delgado scores on a counterattack. And Toronto gets the do- job done in New York. More than the goals, of course, you want Javinko to start off well. Good to see Marky Delgado get a goal. It really was for TFC about the clean sheet on the road. And they're on the road for the, their first eight games of the year because of renovations to BMO Field. Um, on the road in New York, a very tough place to go and open your season. They get three points. That's huge for them. NYCFC wins a shootout against Chicago 4-3. to It started off with a, with a pretty f- spectacular goal. Uh, from Tommy McNamara. In fact, I think that was the first goal of the new season before Javinko had scored in New York. Tommy McNamara had gotten things underway with uh, NYCFC's first goal of the year. And if this is going to be the NYCFC we get all year long, man, are they going to be fun to watch. I don't know if they're going to defend at all, but if they can score four goals every time out, maybe don't need to defend. Orlando comes back with two goals in, in the stoppage time to draw with RSL at home in front of 60,000 people at the Citrus Bowl. So a big crowd on hand. Very disappointed, I imagine, to see their team down into the last couple seconds of the game. And then Kyle Laren scores a goal. Adrian Winter scores, scores a goal. And suddenly it's a point uh, for Orlando in their home opener. San Jose won nothing over Colorado. That's Chris Wondolowski again. Clever little goal. Uh, I heard that I get to watch much of that game. Again, 10 games, guys. I uh, heard Colorado played relatively well, at least through the midfield and maintained possession of the ball, but did not uh, obviously come up with a goal to uh, to get started there on the road in San Jose. Houston 3, New England 3, Diego Fagundes on fire, scores a great goal and provides two assists as New England comes back uh, twice, I believe, to uh, to draw with Houston there at BBVA Compass Stadium. FC Dallas 2-0 over Philadelphia, as you might have expected now. The problem for FC Dallas coming out of that game is that Fabian Castillo left on a stretcher. We will keep an eye on the prognosis for Fabian Castillo, who would be a big blow uh, if he is gone for FC Dallas. Portland 2, Columbus 1 in a replay of the MLS Cup final. Um, obviously, Diego Valeri with a uh, goal, but you also had Federico Higuain getting on his bike and scoring for Columbus, but they could not uh, 
overcome Fernando Adis getting a, getting a winner um, in Portland. Uh, Montreal 3-2, winners over Vancouver in Vancouver. No DDA drug, but didn't matter. Ignacio Piatti is very, very good. Two goals for him. Sporting Kansas City won nothing over Seattle. A pretty soft goal given up by Stefan Fry uh, leads to the loss for Seattle. They also had a red card to O'Neill Fisher that damaged their chances, and they had an injury of their own. Brad Davis, Brad Davis, Brad Evans, excuse me, left with what looked to be a shoulder injury uh, late in that match, so he uh, he could be a big loss for Seattle as well. And finally, the capper, LA Galaxy, who played like terribly played. I was gonna say they played like something, but let's just say they played terribly in the first half. Against DC United, give up a goal in the first five minutes to Lamar Nagel, come back and win 4-1 over DC for their uh, first three points of the year. Great day uh, in MLS yesterday. I should throw this in um, as part of the MLS news. Colorado executed a trade on the eve of the season, sending allocation money and a first-round draft pick in 2017 to New England for midfielder Jermaine Jones. So Jermaine Jones has a new team. He will miss the first six games with that suspension, of course, uh, but we'll see how he works in with the Rapids when he comes back. In the Premier League this weekend, because that happened too, Leicester gives their title dreams a boost with a one one nothing win over Watford. While Arsenal and Spurs play to a two two draw in the North London Derby, Arsenal damaged by a fifty fifty fifth minute red card to Francis Coquelin, which um, obviously changed tactics dramatically. The Foxes now are five points up on Spurs, eight points up on Arsenal, with nine games left. Other uh, otherwise in the Premier League, uh, Manchester United use Manchester Manchester United Manchester United Manchester United one nothing uh, losers at home against West Brom. City crushes Villa for nothing. West Ham now in fifth place after beating Everton three two at Goodison Park. So that's quite a story as well. Barcelona has extended their historic unbeaten streak to thirty six with a four nothing win over Ibar yesterday. Uh, was that on Saturday? It was this weekend. MSN, Messi, Suarez, Neymar scored their 100th combined goal of the season uh, in that game. That uh, Watch the highlights of it. Messi is unbelievable. He has now scored 20 goals in eight consecutive La Liga seasons. First player to ever do that. Barcelona is now eight points clear of Atletico Madrid at the top of the La Liga table. Nobody is going to catch them. Now it's a matter of whether or not they can do it in the Champions League. Which, by the way, resumes uh this week i'm looking at the champions league schedule obviously barcelona played arsenal uh two weeks ago but we've got uh today or sorry today tomorrow wolfsburg and ghent and real madrid and roma and then we've got games wednesday as well so looking forward to that in germany dortmund and bayern played to an entertaining 0-0 draw keeping the gap between them five points at the top the Bundesliga standings, obviously Bayern Munich holding that five-point advantage. Meanwhile, Hertha and Schalke maintain their spots in the top four for the time being. Former Chelsea physio Eva Carniero is, spe- is seeking a public apology from Jose Mourinho for her demotion from the first team after, after a highly publicized rebuke from the then-Chelsea boss for her and uh, her boss going on the field to treat Eden Hazard in August. This says the... Incident that sort of unraveled everything at Chelsea. It, it seemed as though Josie, uh, Jose Mourinho was losing control of the situation and ultimately ended him ended up in him being fired. But Carniero still has legal uh, pending legal action against Mourinho for constructive dismissal and sex discrimination. Uh, they have been uh, they have been talking, trying to to work out a settlement, but seem to be very very far apart. So that's not coming anytime soon. Uh, so in the in the meantime, Eva Carniero looking for her 
public apology. If no settlement is reached, the case is set for a public tribunal on June 6th, at which all statements must be disclosed and all witnesses, including Mourinho, would be obliged to attend if summoned to, if summoned to give evidence in public. So that could be fun or just a complete and utter disaster that nobody wants to see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Charlie Bohm about the 2016 MLS season, which is now underway. Do not go anywhere. A full review coming up. Soccer Morning, Backheel.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning. It is the Monday after the MLS season gets underway. 2016 MLS season is happening. We got 10 games yesterday. Charlie, that was a lot of games. Charlie Bone joining us now uh, on the line via Skype. CBOEHM on Twitter. Find his stuff at many places, including SoccerWire.com. Hi, hi, sorry. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Jason. So, uh, 10 games in one day. As I said at the top of the show, it was a, an interesting, fun way to start the season. But let's, let's not do that again. Uh, <laughs> lots to cover here. And, and, and <laughs> I, I guess we'll do this chronologically. I suppose that's the easiest way to go. Um, you know, this is a league built on parity. And I think that that first day really kind of did show us uh, how parity still reigns around here. Yeah, you know, a lot of road victories. Uh, some goals. I mean, probably the thing that people are uh, noticed m- most immediately and and uh, were most pleased with was the amount of scoring. Um, it was something like more than twice uh, the number of goals on uh, opening day last year. There's something thereabouts. A uh, new record set for opening weekend goals. So that's not necessarily a sign of uh, parity or the lack thereof, but it, it makes uh, some of the other things uh, go down more easily. Uh, but yeah, in- intriguing to see uh, the different levels of preparedness and sharpness that I- individual players and teams have around the league, and uh, and it-, it affected the results right off the bat. Do you think? I mean, was that stuff obvious? I mean, uh, there there are some unknowns here. I mean, we're we're looking at teams that have fundamentally changed their makeup in some cases. Sometimes it's about uh, you know emphasizing. Um, bringing in attacking pieces. Some cases it's about defensive pieces. In some cases we've got uh, new coaches or new or, or new styles involved. Um, let, let's talk. Let's start with Toronto going to New York and getting a two nothing win. Um, you know, for whatever the Red Bulls did in that game, for Toronto to get a clean sheet away from home against the Supporter Shield, defending Supporter Shield winners, has got to feel good. Yeah, very impressive result for TFC. Uh, you could you could argue a statement result uh, in in the sense that um, you know we hear always hear about their ambitions at this time of year. Uh, the last several years, it's been a similar narrative in the off season, the the, the proverbial off season champs. Um, but to go out and do it uh, against a, a, a you know the defending Shield winners, uh, a team that's known for dictating the tempo in a, in a, a very difficult way, uh, especially on home turf. Uh, it was impressive, really, and and uh, you know they did soak up a lot of pressure. They 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 surrendered the possession battle, um, but they uh, they they weathered and then they countered and uh, and got uh, 
got goals where they needed them. So uh, impressive to see also this idea that, that TFC is going to be able to play different ways in different circumstances and uh, and adapt to conditions because that's been an issue for them in the past. Yep, And they're going to be on the road for eight straight to start the year. So they, they, need, <laughs> yeah, to get, <laughs> they need to get as many points as they possibly can away from home if they're going to have a chance at, at, at improving on their – uh, on their finish last year, which obviously was the first time they made it into the playoffs, but put them in a knockout round game that they lost to Montreal. I'm sure they would like to do better uh, this year. And, and I've, I've, you know, I've got people picking them to to win the East and to to maybe even be MLS Cup champions, Charlie. So the bar is pretty high for for Toronto. Uh, let's move to the other New York team and talk about NYCFC because what's in, what was intriguing to me about what happened in Bridgeview yesterday was obviously what we didn't know what. What Ponovich and Vieira were necessarily going to put out there. We'd heard some things in in the in, in the preseason: a high pressing game from the from the fire, a more open four three three from the from NYCFC, and we ended up with a shootout, Charlie. Yeah, um, <laughs> at first it looked like it was going to be a drubbing, you know, a one sided result, and uh, and the fire um, found found a bit of something late on that it, you know able them to close the gap and and make it close in the end. But uh, I think probably the dominant thing from that game is just the, some really awful defending on display. Um, a very open game, which is its own problem, but um, just 1v1. I mean, Brandon Vincent, the, uh, the, the highly prized uh, rookie left back, uh, just got absolutely scorched on uh, one or several occasions, depending on how harsh you want to be. And, uh, you know, and, and good, good finishing at, uh, at NYCFC's end. Uh, impressive uh, work from uh, the cult hero, uh, Tommy McNamara. And uh, a semblance of uh, order and structure and clarity that was so often lacking from, uh, from that team last year. Well, you know, that, that, that midfield trio, McNamara, who obviously played well, scored a goal, you know, looked... Uh, added that fun element. Obviously, uh, we got Pirlo in the middle, and then Mix Disgrude, who played pretty well, scored his own goal. Is it, who was, you know, how did that work? I mean, if you were able, if you were going to try to analyze what you saw, if you how much you depending on how much you saw, Charlie, is this something that can last them the whole year long? I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to get Lampard on the field, of course, at some point, uh, and and maybe that the the forward trio is going to change significantly at some point, and, and Poku and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, there's there's always going to be selection issues here. This team right now is is better without Frank Lampard. It seems um, a big part of that is this this big question for NYC was um, how do you play Pirlo alone or nominally alone at the base of midfield uh, and expect not to leak goals like a sieve and um, because he's you know he, he's a, a very cultured deep line playmaker but he doesn't have the type of teeth that you would normally want in, in an MLS competition. Uh, and with Mix, you know, Mix's uh, deployment there is interesting because we don't think of him as a um, as a destroyer or a grinder necessarily. But it, it is actually, you know, he, he did the job yesterday. Although I'm tempted to to look at a game like this as a bit of an outlier, but but Mix has has had to answer this question a lot. You know, the last year or two, it's been a question for him. Well, are you can you be more than a ten? For example, the national team level, yeah. can you can you add that little extra component to your game that allows you to play more roles in the engine room? And he sh- showed signs of it yesterday. All right, so NYCFC with a big win on the road to start the Patrick Vieira era. As I mentioned, uh, Chicago worth a watch because apparently defense might be a secondary concern, but also because they're going. How much of that? Very quickly before we move on, how much of what happened to, the, to Chicago was a, a function of just a poorly implemented press? 
Yeah, that's true. And and the the high line and all those sorts of things. We saw it in other games as well. That these are tough to um, to get right off the bat in, in your first you know truly competitive outing as a group. And this this is a completely new fire team in so many ways. Personnel, uh, leadership, um, you know, uh, philosophy, all all those things. So I'm I'm going to give the uh, the Panovich era a little bit more time. <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, sure. I think you have to he has to just look at that result and take away the fact that his team at least didn't get their uh, butts whooped. They 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 found something in them to to rally and make it a competitive match. But certainly, there's a lot of discontent in Chicago and uh, others in that city who are frustrated with years of failure are not going to be quite as patient, maybe, as someone like me. All right, there you go. Uh, we're we're going to try not to judge any team based on one game, Charlie. But uh, it's not really how fans tend to think. Let's go to speaking <laughs> of of judging teams on one game. RSL up two nothing going into injury time, and they end up with a draw against. Orlando City, um, you know, this is you know a little bit of both. I mean, uh, complicity on the part of the RSL defense and, and, you know, playing to the whistle for Orlando City. But if you're Jeff Kassar, you're going to be kicking yourself today. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it it hurts. It stings, I'm sure, for them. And especially given the, they, they had some heartbreak at the week, midweek uh, in CONCACAF Champions League play and then to deal with this. Really wild game, though. I didn't get to watch all 90 minutes, but what I saw was um, – uh, you know, anytime you've got 60,000 plus in the stands, you're going to have a special occasion and it's going to affect the players on both sides. It's going to affect the, out, the overall tone and the refereeing, too. I'm not sure uh, if it was great or terrible, um, but I'm not. <laughs> I have a feeling most people's opinions will scant, can't, scant one way or the other there. Um, we had two yellow, red cards in this one, uh, some really questionable calls and, and uh, confusing decision making by the refereeing crew. Yeah. Uh, so that you know, that's certainly just another sort of uh, wild card in the mix f- uh, for the roadside. I mean, in, in a few weeks' time, I think RSO will look back and and shrug their shoulders and feel okay with getting a point out of this occasion. But certainly, a, a road victory would have would have been very useful for that team given where they're at right now. And I think RSL, the question remains, and it's one that we can't answer today or even next week or next month. The question remains with that team: uh, is the second eleven anywhere near what the first eleven is? I think they can. They can be a cup competitor with the starting lineup they have, but there's a lot of age. Uh, there's a lot of uh, tiring legs uh, where, you know, in that system, I don't know if the reserves are going to be able to keep up the same level. All right, there you go. I, and, uh, you know, when you, when, you, uh, when you talk about MLS, you can't seem to go more than, uh, uh, <laughs> more than a week without talking about the refereeing, so there it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's going to come up again here later as we get to uh, some of these other games. San Jose won nothing over... Colorado, uh, Chris Wondolowski with the goal. Is the, is the takeaway, hey, San Jose got a home win and Chris Wondolowski scored his 110th goal of his MLS career? Is the takeaway, Colorado actually showed some signs of improvement, even if they couldn't get their own uh, tally? Yeah, you know, this Colorado team, I think, has um, the, the ma- management for all their foibles in the past has made a clear commitment to, um, to renewed competitiveness and renewed relevance. In a number of different contexts, um, it, it, when you're building a team over or, or substantially remodeling your team, typically you build from the back, uh, and you know you want to create a solid foundation on uh, which you can, you know, hope and be relatively confident that you're not going to concede many goals, and then you try and, uh, you know, and add the flourishes in the attacking third. So from that sense, I think uh, Mastroeni and company in Colorado. Are have to be cautiously optimistic after this. Uh, there's still a lot of work ahead, but you know, Gashi, their new designated player, shows some some flashes of stuff. Um, the Quakes 
should, probably showed us what we would have expected from them on opening day, which is that this is a Dom Kinnear team uh, with a uh, classic MLS goal scorer up top. They're going to grind. They're going to make things difficult for you. They flood the midfield at times. And there's always the menace of Wando up top uh, able to put one away. And that's what he did there. And I think they'll, they'll snatch a lot of points in this method over the course of 2016. Uh, old school MLS. Uh, Houston, formerly Dom Kinnear's team, 3-3 against New England. Star of that particular show, Diego Fagundes, or excuse me, my voice doesn't want to cooperate, Charlie, or or do you go beyond that? Yeah, well, Fagundes was great, uh, scored a, a goal of the year candidate three or so minutes in, and then he also uh, had a role in both the, the other two Revs goals. Um, so he was great, uh, and, and I think Lee Wen was also um, uh, pleasing to the eye and, and striking to me, uh, a guy who's clearly bearing the positive benefits of the um, – of the U.S. national team camp right now. He's sharp. He was clean on the ball for the most part in a way that many of his teammates and op- opponents were not. There was a lot of rust in this game. Um, you can say there was rust all, all around opening day ine- inevitably. But um, t- talk about Dom Kinnear teams. His old team in Houston looks very little like it once did right now. This is a really open game, probably more open than either coach would have liked. Um, a lot of transitions, a lot of end-to-end play. You know, s- scruffy in midfield in terms of the, the, tr- the, the uh, build-up play and turnovers there. But fun to watch, um, and, and you know both teams could have come away from this with a full three points, and probably have reasons to feel disappointed that they didn't. I think there were two or three different lead changes as well. Uh, so a three-three thriller in Houston with uh, both teams getting a point there. The Revolution. I mean, Charlie, very quickly. You know, the Revs made the MLS Cup final in 2014. We all had them tab very much. You know, like we have Columbus tab this year as maybe the team to to beat in the Eastern Conference um, again because they went to the final and, and lost. Um, but the Revs under, underachieved last year? I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, obviously there are distractions and injuries and, and various things that, that impacted them. Are, are we going to see um, a resurgence of some of that, that attacking ability and, and something approaching, um, you know, maybe a top three finish? I, I, I think it's there for them, certainly. Uh, the issue is going to be, you know, sorting out the, de- the defense. They started one of their newest acquisitions, uh, Javon Watson, at right back. So he went right into the lineup, which tells you, uh, I mean, he's a good player and a, a veteran starter in MLS, but it tells you a little bit about kind of the the shuffle they have in the back line there. And they had a, they had a hard time, um, you know, getting the press right getting their uh, offsides shape and and just in general they were really stretched and and uh, out of kilter at times defensively so um but what i was impressed with was the um their tactical versatility uh, jay heaps had hinted to me when we talked this offseason about some new looks um and i think they showed their they were pressing at times they they went into a full press trying to to create uh turnovers in houston's end on a couple of occasions and then they would sit deep and there seemed like they were a little bit more I guess uh, a little higher level of collective tactical sophistication, which I think will serve them well this year. All right, let's move on to the other Texan team because the FC Dallas is also highly, uh, you know, thought of um, in this league, and, and a lot of people picking them to go and win an MLS Cup and, and, and meet their destiny, so to speak, with Oscar Brejan and that young group of players. Them beating, you know, the FC Dallas beating Philadelphia is not a surprise, and the manner in which they did it. Not a surprise. What you take away from that game most, Charlie, I think, um, if you're a, a neutral observer or an FC Dallas fan, is holy crap, what's happening with Fabian Castillo? Is he really hurt? Yeah, yeah, that's the big question coming away from this. Uh, Oscar Pereja, their head coach, said he didn't think he's going to be out for long. Um, it looked like a, a groin injury, um, as taken as he uh, 
you know, release a shot. So could be a month, worst case scenario, you know, for a simple strain like that, it may be a little bit longer. Um, I think the real hope is that they, they can dig a little deeper and make sure that there's nothing related to sports hernia or, you know, kind of that interconnected network of, uh, of muscles in the core. Uh, if there's something like that, then he's looking at a whole different situation. That was the, the kind of injury that um, derailed Jermaine Jones for the better part of a year. Um, yeah, I guess the, the one bright side for Dallas is that if it happens early here, there's still plenty of time to manage it give him time on the sidelines and, and FC Dallas built their depth specifically for these kinds yeah. of kinds of situations. Yeah. They, they, you know, they've, they've got other weapons, although Castillo has been, was, was great last year and it was obviously important. I mean, uh, we could, we've seen what Barros, Barrios can do. I mean, Moro Diaz can certainly carry more of the scoring load if necessary. Um, and, and again, not going to take a lot away. No offense to the union fans out there, but come on, we, we know where they are in terms of rebuilding. FC Dallas is supposed to be one of the best in the league. Um, what other takeaways are there? I mean, again, they sort of did it FC Dallas style, and, and that just means we, we move on here expecting to see more of the same. <laughs> well, they played a, the Union tried out a high line against Dallas at Dallas, which in retrospect was maybe um, not the wisest move. Um, you know, you've got the kind of wheels that FCD has. And if you're going to press and try and compact space and leave a bunch of room in behind your back four, you'd better know exactly what you're doing. And very few defenses know exactly what they're doing on opening day in MLS. So um, that was that was one where Curtin got it wrong, and I think he he admitted as much afterwards. Um, the Union again, it's a small sample size here. That's a very very tough uh, opening day yeah. uh, matchup sure. for them. Yeah. I think they have a couple of uh, really tough matches in the opening stretch here, but. Uh, I think in a month's time we'll be able to say more clearly, and, and Curtin will have learned more about his team by then. But uh, I'm not quite down on him just yet. Uh, maybe, oh well, look, I mean, maybe we just uh, focus on they, they were missing some players. I mean, Philadelphia came in banged up, which you never want to do to start the season. But maybe the silver lining is that Andre Blake played well, and they have a keeper, and maybe we can stop making jokes about the Union and their keepers. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I'm I'm ready to move on from that, and and I think millions of others are as well. Okay, there you go. No more keeper jokes for the Philadelphia Union. There you heard it here first. All right, uh, the rematch of the 2015 MLS Cup final, Portland Timbers, Columbus Crew. I mean, what a game, and you know what a, what a collection of goals, Charlie. Yeah, um, Pipa uh, Iguain produced a moment of magic with a really inventive. Um, uh, painful looking, painfully difficult looking <laughs> right. uh, overhead kick uh, to to put the crew SC on the board there, and uh, it, it looked as though they were going to be able to take points away from 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 Portland. It was uh, um, an end to end game, a lot of flow to it, but crew SC were sharp. I mean, these are the two teams that have had the shortest off season break of anyone. And uh, you could see that. I think you could see there was a, a and, and and a lot of continuity also. Yeah. And these two teams know what they're about, and and they put on a good show. Um, it's just Portland, I think, is has the ability to um, finally they have this ability to make use of that great home field advantage they have. Um, the fans and the team are now so kind of in sync there um, at Providence Park. Um, I think it's just it's, they, they've multiplied what was already a pretty substantial home field advantage. You know, one of the things coming into the year for Portland was after winning the title, they said goodbye to um, Jorge Villafania and to, to Rodney Wallace. And the, the question was, can they replace those guys, especially considering they both played on the same flank? Charlie, did you see anything that might indicate how well they're going to be able to move on from those two players? Well, there's plenty of talent um, there on the on the wings now. They've got Aspria uh, and Milano, who were, um, you know, are, are 
fantastic players who I, I think the end goal for Portland is is to sell them on eventually at a profit, and they still may do that. Um, but those guys are they, they show these moments of world class ability, and then there's times when they're they don't seem like they're really um, in step. Uh, with the rest of the squad or, or not making good decisions. Uh, I thought it was funny. Somebody was saying uh, Aspria was taking people on as if uh, the uh, that world-class goal he scored in the playoffs uh, to help send the, the Timbers through to MLS Cup uh, maybe is, is still on his mind. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he's capable at this stage of, of pulling one of those out in every 90 minutes. Um, but he, he, and, uh, he and especially, I think, personality-wise, he's got to find that right balance between the, the personality, the cockiness that you need to play that position to, to uh, you know at a high level with uh, the, the good decision making that the system asks from him so and then Milano again it, it's it, not certain to me whether that's his ideal tasking there in that that role in that formation um, but he's coming to grips with it and uh, I think again someone who needs a bigger sample size this season to see where he's really at uh, you know the uh, the timbers like as you said continuity matters obviously the timbers are a confident bunch having won the title um, and, and again, Lots of people picking Columbus. In fact, I have them coming out of the East. So, if um, did you see anything from 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 Crew SC that indicates that would indicate that they're not uh, a favorite uh, for any reason? Again, small sample size, but just out of the blocks here, Charlie. Yeah, I think you know I, I picked them to uh, to win the Shield. So, uh, I, I think that their the question for them is going to be the consistency. They were fairly consistent last year. Um, they rarely lost. Uh, I think they only lost uh, two games uh, or more in a row on one occasion. Um, so you know we'll have to see. But because of their style, because of the comfort with the ball, they're always going to be able to um, to compete for road points in a way that many other teams can't or or don't. The issue there, though, is is um, is again the ex- exploiting that that uh, comfort with the ball and that um, adherence and devotion to possession. Um, the crew do leave spaces in behind. They acknowledge that they leave those spaces in behind, especially when their fullbacks advance. Um, and on, on a bad day, they get they they get torn apart in that manner. So I think we'll be looking to the the further mature, maturation of Will Trap um, as you know another one of those guys who's going to have to deal with those kind of problems in, in the flow of play and, and deal with them. So uh, another one where a couple of individuals I think are going to have a, a big effect on that process. And right. and also Sauro, you know, really influential center back for them. Didn't have the greatest of games yesterday, but. Over the course of the season, you expect him to be a best eleven player. Okay, uh, Vancouver hosting Montreal, losing three to two. Ignacio Piatti picking up the slack because Didier Drogba is not going to play on turf this year. Charlie, that's a you know that was the dominant storyline coming in from Montreal, and I suppose getting a win on the road in in Vancouver again, a very good team in Vancouver, is is good news for Montreal. Yeah, and. Well, this is a team that didn't look like they were missing their star player and their most charismatic leader by any means. Um, uh, Dom Oduro stepped into that lone striker spot, and uh, which you know position that he's looked not entirely comfortable or effective in in the past and the pre-Drogba days. But he, he did a pretty good job with it, and uh, really the really a f- impressive sort of um, uh, understanding has already been struck up between uh, Harry Ship, who's just been in town for what a month or so. And uh, and Piatti Piatti scored the maybe the the best goal of of the weekend, which is saying something. There were a lot of great strikes across the league, um, and they were you know they were they were comfortable on the ball. There was imagination, there was confidence. Uh, they were able to absorb some pressure from the Whitecaps, uh, tune out a sellout crowd, uh, and get a result really and very really comfortable down the stretch. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised by this impact performance. All right, so uh, and on the other side of things, I mean. 
you know, I, I think Vancouver will be okay, but the problem with that they, they seem to have more than any other, Charlie, is being good at home. I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, hopefully it's, I've been waiting to see, um, maybe, you know, when you have parody, right. This, and, and we all know MLS is obsessed with parody, um, home and road was, you know, is sort of, you know, interacts differently and, and teams show their form or their quality or their lack thereof in that way. So, uh, I was a little surprised to see the number of road victories, uh, this week, um, I, I don't know if that's going to continue, but you know, I mean, the great teams in this league, the ones that really separate themselves from the pack, um, are able to make, um, make good use of their, their occasions at home. I mean, you saw LA, for example, LA were really, really bad for, uh, for a, a half or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still come away with a very comfortable four, one victory. So I think that's kind of the gold standard there in terms of, uh, of home form. And it's just, it's because of the sort of in, in enforced, um, irregularity of results over the course of a season in MLS. We, we don't see it as much as we maybe should. All right, so we're, we'll, we'll come to that game in a, in a second, but there's one more to squeeze in before we get to L.A. and D.C. United, and that's uh, Seattle hosting Sporting Kansas City, another another road winner, and on a very soft goal. And I mean, so much there. The, the red card to O'Neal Fisher obviously changed the game, Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I suppose we could throw Brad Evans onto the, into the mix, although that wasn't necessarily part of what happened to Seattle? What did you take from from this one? Yeah, a real a real howler. There's no way to call it anything but that um, from some some stuff on Fry. Um, and, and I think there's a fair amount of debate about um, the Fisher red card. But the guy went in with two feet. Um, when you go in with two feet in that way, no, no matter what illusion may be created by this individual circumstances of the play, you're not in control. And it's already been you know, stressed as a, a point of emphasis for the referees this year. Um, so no surprise to see that that card, in my opinion. And um, Seattle's got to be really, really frustrated because they worked very hard uh, with 10 men. They probably should have come away with a point. Uh, but then, you know, they have another individual letdown where, where Fry lets one squeak through from distance. And, uh, you know, great result for KC, a uh, real confidence builder for a team that's got uh, a few questions to answer and, and has um, – both in terms of new faces and what you know, what the uh, the returning faces can do and how they can maintain their level. Um, for Seattle, you know, we're, we're still we're still looking at a team in transition here with uh, a, a lot of new people in, in influential positions. And I think the four three three shape, um, while we look at it as, hey, you got three good strikers, get three good strikers on the field, right? As, as opposed to a four four two. The problem is there's so much more to it than that. The defensive rotations, yeah. um, the, the shape, it's all. It, it, there's all work to be done there, and uh, and I'm still not sure. Also, that Jordan Morris is really entirely comfortable or most effective out there on, in a wide right role in that shape. Well, uh, just, I mean, again, small sample size, and then one thing that we we obviously have to note for for Kansas City is that they didn't have Benny Failhaber on the field also brad davis uh, not available uh, could have been his his sporting debut at some point last night uh, so when you consider the way sporting typically plays with benny and this is a depth issue right i mean not a lot of teams are going to have a replacement for benny failhaber i don't care who you are mm-hmm. yeah. how do they manage that i mean they get a win yesterday i guess it doesn't matter you don't look three points uh, on the road in the mouth in the mls but how do they deal without benny failhaber when they go into a, a match, against, especially against an opponent like Seattle, who's probably going to have more of the ball and create, uh, create plenty of chances. 
Well, we see here, that, and this has been an ongoing feature of the uh, the Vermees regime in uh, in, in KC. Um, th- this is a team that, uh, again, another four three three dominated team that can play pretty soccer, that can stretch the field, that can um, that can suffocate opponents with both with pressure and with possession and, and um, movement. But the dark side is um, that four three three can very easily allow them to to turn into kind of a, a pro wrestling team where um, they go direct. Uh, they go negative. They they get stuck in. Uh, they dare the referees to 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 enforce the you know fouls tightly and 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 pull out the cards with regularity. I mean, this is a team that's not entirely uncomfortable. And you, you know, I think Roger Espinosa probably embodies it. Um, this is a team that doesn't mind um, rolling around in the muck a little bit and and destroying the game. Um, it's again, it's not nice for neutrals to watch. We'd rather see that uh, the file hopper led sort of bright side, but. Um, but I think we saw a little bit of what they can do in a negative way that that does get you results very often in MLS uh, yesterday. Yeah, they were up a man uh, because of the Fisher red card, and I believe they still committed something like 19 fouls. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this tells you where Peter Vermees will go when things um, aren't aren't flowing in the uh, on the attacking end, uh, and you don't have somebody like like Failhopper to put his foot on the ball. Uh, LA Galaxy four, DC United one. You mentioned this already. Galaxy looked abysmal. For that first half, and and giving up a goal to Lamar Nagel in the first five minutes on what was a, a pretty simple turnover counterattack situation, um, but I guess you know I guess you look at the positives. I mean I, I don't know where to go. I mean we're still talking about uh, Steven Gerrard. We absolutely have to mention Mike McGee and his excellent contributions, which turned things around. But the reason that Mike McGee's on the field is because Giovanni Dos Santos gets pulled off. Yeah, well, the, I think NYC and, and LA embody this um, this strange awkwardness of the DP era, where um, they've brought in players uh, who are you know world class players that are getting paid uh, what five, six, seven million bucks a year, um, and yet it's not entirely clear that they make the teams uh, better. You know that the that the eleven is better with Santos, um, Dos Santos than without, or or with Lampard than without. Um, so it's it's odd, but it's an, uh, yet another quirk of MLS. I think that um, it, it takes real work and and uh, um, an individual you know adaptation on the parts of these players um, to to make it to make these sort of sometimes odd 11s fit together. You know, it's still not clear how Dos Santos and Keen um, are, are are best paired and and best arrayed. Uh, and uh, you know McGee is just one of those guys that can come in and understand the the flow of a game, understand what's required, and adapt very quickly. He's just a cerebral player who's comfortable with uh, the opposition, with the circumstances of the league, in a way that that Dos Santos still maybe is not. And uh, and of course, you know I think Arena probably you know, Bruce Arena had a, a few other things to say at halftime that uh, that changed the, the fortunes for a team a bit. I mean they were able to disrupt DC you know, to their credit. Um, this is not the um, grindingly attritional DC that we were used to the last couple of years. It's a team with some skill players that were able to combine. They were they were playing around and through LA for long stretches in the first half. They just didn't convert it mm-hmm. into uh, into enough goals to to hold off the rally. Wow, and that's, um, that's kudos, kudos also to, to Ashley Cole. Actually, I mean a, a a guy who's been pilloried and in many cases justifiably since he came to LA uh, made a few really crucial tackles and uh, was 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 clean when he needed to be down the stretch to help uh, help keep it at one in order to, to to allow McGee to lead the rally. Yeah, I think there was evidence of plenty of rust, as you mentioned, across the league, and, and especially in this game. And, um, you know, what we take away from it for either side is, you know, in the eye of the beholder at this point, I don't know that, that the, the solution to the Galaxy season is, you know, pull off Giovanni Del Santos after 60 minutes and throw Mike McGee on. 
uh, or, or <laughs> ha- I'm not sure when Mike McGee came on, to be honest with you. Um, half time. He came yeah, on okay. Well, he played yeah. a full half. I mean, and because I don't know, we, we're, I don't want to get into the psychology of Gio Dos Santos, but that's part of all of this, obviously. And there's going to be pressure to play him because of the salary, et cetera, et cetera. Like you just said, Charlie. Um, the other, the other thing here, uh, that I wanted to mention when it came to, um, to, to DC United, was the you know is the you just you talked about it. they can they can combine they can pass the ball around the midfield a little bit they they did a decent job of it I think it helps that Steven Gerrard can't cover any ground anymore but they can't they couldn't find the goals that they needed out other than the, the counter from Lamar Nagel are they going to get enough up front throughout the year and again not judging on one game Charlie but where do the goals yeah come this from? is an open question I mean they 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 themselves have an issue where they they do have a designated player uh, Fabian Espindola who started this game on the bench and then when he came on. Um, he's so often over the last couple of years been really pivotal to everything good that DC United do in the final third. And Espindola was, was just off the pace. He, he, he wasn't sharp. Uh, he didn't seem to be in tune. Um, there's questions about the, the, um, the meshing between him and, uh, and Lucho Acosta, their, their new Argentine acquisition, who's been very good in general since coming over from, uh, um, uh, I guess about a month ago. So yeah, it's it's United's are, are in a state of transition as well, and it's one that that I think is that Ben Olsen recognizes his team has to be more proactive. They have to be able to keep the ball. They have to be able to play different ways, really, to to, to compete in this league. But that transition away from something fairly simple and and down and dirty to something more uh, complex is not an easy one necessarily. And um, and they, they still don't know what their best 11 is either. I mean, they've got a huge hole at the base of midfield with Perry Kitchen. Yep. Uh, another one of their highest paid players, Halsey, the Finnish International, didn't even dress, didn't dress. yesterday. So that's now kind of a, a, a fire that's cropped up. We're not really sure what's going on there. So it's, it's unclear what their best 11 is or what Ben Olsen thinks their best 11 is. Charlie Bohm, follow him on Twitter at CBOEHM. Read his stuff at SoccerWire, uh, MLSSoccer.com, USSoccerPlayers.com, wherever else uh, fine soccer writing is published. Charlie's bound <laughs> to be there somewhere. Charlie, appreciate the time. It's an a extended edition of the MLS Review. Uh, let's get back to your, to your Monday. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. There goes uh, Charles Bohm. Charlie Bohm. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Phone lines will be open. We'll talk MLS weekend. We can talk Quantum Blanco's final game at Estadio Azteca. We can talk about the Premier League weekend, the Bundesliga, whatever is on your mind. Soccer Morning. Backyo.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, back on Soccer Morning. It is Monday. We do have a full rack of MLS games to discuss, if that is your want. Perhaps your want is to discuss the Premier League, where Leicester City is still out in front, and the two North London teams did not do themselves any favors this weekend, although you could say it's 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 more about Arsenal right now, and that game was more about Arsenal and Francis Coquelin being stupid and yeah all of that all right uh mentioning i, I forgot to mention this in the news a couple of things i didn't get into the news one 
from Robert, who wants to who wanted me to note the the, the fact that Guatemala Blanco played his last game uh, for Club America at the Estadio Estadio Azteca Azteca yesterday, or yeah, whenever that was. This weekend. It happened this weekend. Didn't happen last night. It happened this weekend. And also, Bo on Twitter mentioning that the U.S. women beat France. Shaky first half. Stoppage time. Beautiful goal uh, from Alex Morgan, courtesy of Mallory Pugh. So the 17-year-old hooking up Alex Morgan for the win for the United States in the She Believes Cup. It's a cup tournament, right? Anyway. 646-832-3909 is the phone number. It's all about prep for Brazil. It's all about prep for Rio. Provided that the uh, the virus doesn't get you, and I'm not making light of the virus. Let's take it very seriously. Zika virus is that what it is? Yeah, and, and I, I saw some stuff on on my. T- I'm gonna be curious to get Bo's opinion on this. Uh, anybody else who is really deep and and knows the women's soccer world well, what uh, what Bo makes of the 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 kerfuffle between the the three um the, the three british fa's and the the whole can we send a team to represent great britain to or the to uh, to the um to the olympics saw somebody saying hey you know send the the english women's national or the english women's team and then put the great britain name on them but then you have to get northern ireland and scotland and wales to all sign off there's three or four there's four four of them right i can't keep track they're all on the the board of the uh ifab that's what I know. Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England, right? That's the four of them. Like, like Cornwall doesn't have their own FA, do they? I'm kidding. I know that they don't. 646-832-3909. Join me on a Monday. Tell me what you took away from, uh, from the weekend, whether it was something MLS related, something down south in Mexico. Again, the, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, 0-0 between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Uh, missed opportunity for Dortmund, but hey, they, they played Bayern very, very tough. All right. Uh, let's go to Al in Missouri. What's up, Al? Hey, what's going on, Jason? Um, I'll, I heard you earlier say that you didn't like the idea of um, all MLS games being played on one day on Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm that's not, not what I, Al. I was, I was just, I was being all whiny about how much, oh, how much soccer there was on one day, and just trying to, you know, for ten straight hours and all that stuff. I was just being. I'm just no, don't don't listen to me at all, Al. I know. Okay. Well, I like the idea anyway of it. I thought it was great because that's all I just did all day today. Just just watch MLS games, but I came away with it. You know, I thought this was one of the best open, open um, week seasons I've seen in a long time, especially when I saw Orlando city come from behind from two goals down past the 90th minute to tie the game like that. That was beautiful. When, 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 when over 10 games, you average more than three and a half goals a game. Yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. I don't care who you are. I don't it care. Was. I don't care what quality you're looking for. I don't care if you only think Barcelona plays good soccer and everybody else sucks. You can have some fun watching what happened yesterday. That's that's. Yeah. I mean, th- again, there were bad moments. The defending was lacking in many cases. But come on, thirty-six goals exactly. in ten games. Come on, that's fun. Let's go. Yeah. Exactly. I think the team. I think I saw some. There were some um, surprises and some disappointment. I think the biggest disappointment yesterday was between Mott was Vancouver. 
for some reason, they just can't win at home. I know. It's 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 disappointing. I, I got them winning the Supporter Shield because if they had just picked up two or three more wins at home last year, they'd probably win the thing. I can't remember what their total points were. But they were close enough that if they turned some of those, because they were great on the road. And that's so backwards. Yeah. We don't expect that. So you take whatever it is that that magic that you can, that you have on the road, you throw in a couple more wins at home, and now Vancouver's a supporter shield winner instead of finishing fourth in the West or wherever they were. Second, no, they were second in the West. I actually have them um, competing for the um, MLS finals between um, between Vancouver and maybe in the Red Bull. Well, I think I think out west you got uh, Vancouver and FC Dallas, or you know those are the. Chic picks, although, of course, Portland has to be in the mix because of the way they finished last year, winning a title, and figuring out how yeah. best to use the Valeri Nagby Chara midfield, which um, remains one of the best uh, in the league. Exactly. All right, then. Thanks. I right, appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Al. Let's go uh, down to Texas and talk to our man, Nelly. What's up, Nelly? Hey, what's up, Jason? <clears throat> you were talking about the Cuauhtémoc Blanco game, and uh, that's that's one topic I wanted to talk to you about last week, and you just uh, made me remember. Ah, so okay. I say, uh, last week, I was watching the Mexican media just to see what they thought, and, and there was a lot of uh, uh, hate towards the Federation because apparently Blanco was playing this game, a regular season game, while wearing the number 100, uh-huh. while Erica having another player under the same 100, uh, while other teams accusing America of not being registered in time during the transfer window. Oh, really? And it was just all this, yeah. Apparently, America says he was signed in in December, but other, sh- uh, other papers show that he wasn't. Uh, and then there's this whole thing of Televisa owning America uh-huh. and being partners with the Mexican Federation and money being put in, some say money being put in, and not the seriousness of, of taking this game. And uh, Club Morelia apparently also put in a, um, uh, a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for, uh, a proof, prove me that he was signed in and America couldn't prove that. It was a big scandal. And all the media of that week was just saying how the Mexican Federation is still in a way, corrupt, but it's still being controlled by the, the, the TV networks, by Televisa, yeah, by TV. Yeah. You know, that they're always going to show favoritism towards the big teams like Club America and Chivas. And so it just goes to show that the Mexican Federation is still a little bit behind on those things, where I don't know if this sort of a thing could happen with MLS. I mean, um, yeah, they showed favoritism towards legality in a way. Do they? But Do they? Somewhat, you know, somewhat. Okay. Um, and then uh, I was ahead. watching the game too, and Blanco almost scored a goal, but there was no. There were Morelia wasn't playing any defense on do, him. Do you think that? Do you think Morelia? I mean, that puts Morelia in a difficult spot, right? I mean, forty-three-year-old Mexican legend Cuauhtémoc Blanco. Um, you know, a guy whose passion for the game is. Uh, unquestioned, he is representative. He is basically Mexico soccer soul, right? And, and maybe not everybody loves him. Uh, I imagine if you're a, a Guadalajara fan, you can work up with some hatred for for Cuauhtémoc. But when he played for Cuauhtémoc, excuse me, when he played for the Mexican national team, of course everybody loved him. When when you put him on the field at 43, and we know he doesn't cover a lot of ground anyway. Um, and and you ask Morelia to defend. I mean, who who is going to want to go in? 
and get stuck in against against Quintomic Blanco when you're you know what I mean? Like if you're a 25 year old Mexican player, like why would you want? You 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 can only be the villain if you take out Blanco, right? Yeah, it was it was it, it looked sloppy when he was out there. I only saw the first half because he only played like thirty five minutes. The defenders weren't even close to him; they were letting them just walk through. Uh, another thing they were talking about is how the TV network Televisa forced this on the president uh, of America, uh, Ricardo Pelias, and. That's that's all they were talking about last week, how the Mexican Federation is so behind on things like that. Allowing this player to play on a regular yeah, season game. Yeah. Now it would have been an honor for him to play on a um another game, like a friendly game, a friendly game against Barcelona. Because, you know, they're gonna be also celebrating I think their hundred years uh this year. You know, Club, doing something Club like America? that. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't, and I just I, that's think too, you so know weird. what what it's, if Chivas what ahead. if Chivas gets relegated? You know the federation is going to step in some way to help him not get relegated. Well, yeah, we'll you see. Know, I mean, I think I don't think Jorge Vergara has a whole lot of friends, but of course he is a powerful guy. Thanks for the call, Nelly. I'm going to move on, man. It's a lot of Blanco all talk. Right, take care. Uh, oh, look, I, I don't. It's the thing. Blanco is one of those players where, because of my national team allegiances, I kind of have to hate Blanco, but I kind of love Blanco at the same time. I have a very weird relationship with uh, Quatomic Blanco. Uh, let's go to Washington in New York City. What's up, Washington? Jason, what's up, my man? How's it going? Hey, congratulations on the opening day victory. Yes. <laughs> Four to three, man. I, there were times where I was screaming at the television, I got to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I imagine screaming both in, in joy when the goals went in and then in horror when the defense, oh, <laughs> when the defense Breon, collapsed. Breon, I, I couldn't, the Frenchman, man, I couldn't, I could not believe that that happened. I, I swear to I was screaming my head off uh, you know i was hoping I, this is something this i'm just hoping that that's like a one thing fluke that that's over i'm hoping viera knows that the back four has to be stronger than that well yeah. because that was just that was just a, that that's a high school mistake mm-hmm. I, I i don't even want to relive it we won we got the three points you got on the three road. points on the road the, the 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 only thing is i mean and we, this is with all due respect to chicago fire it was chicago fire I mean, if we're playing a stronger team, and and the the back four uh, makes those type of mistakes, we're we're gonna pay for it dearly. So I'm hoping that because um, I, I think I saw a tweet by Vieira letting know, you know, I I saw what we need to work on or something to that effect. So I'm hoping that that is a good sign and Vieira gets on it because we really need it. Yeah, I mean, you 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 expect that against a team that knows itself a lot better than the Chicago Fire do under a new head coach you're getting you're getting crushed in that situation and right. and 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 there's definitely not those gaps i mean again watch the first goal watch Tommy Mack and the space he has to turn and press the i mean the fire back line basically retreated into their 6 yard box it was you know i mean i not that yeah. i could have scored that goal it's a, it's a great goal to the back to the far post Washington, but at the same time, you can't let a professional soccer player, I don't care who they, who they are, have that much time and space to shoot. <laughs> right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is um, I, I'm just wondering how, what your take is on people like I, get, I, I have nothing against, I, know, I hate to put it this way, but older players, right? So we have people like David Villa and, yeah. and even Pirlo who have been workhorses of NYCFC, okay? And then I mean, Gerard, I mean, I'm sorry, Gerard, Lampard. Um, I, I, 
I, he got booed at the Playwright Pub where, where they were doing the watch party. When, when they announced, oh, he's, he's out because of injury. I think he spent more time out than he has in, in uniform. Uh, what do you... I don't even know where to go with that. Well, he's, the guy's under contract, right? Uh, he puts the team in a difficult position, puts Patrick Vieira in a difficult position. I think that, and, and you, ha- you have to wonder from a team perspective what the right thing to do is. If they're a better team without Frank Lampard on the field, then Frank Lampard can't play. I mean, he, he, he shouldn't play. Let me say it that way. And I, I would hope that Patrick Vieira has been invested with the type of power, the type of responsibility by the, the powers that be at NYCFC and higher up in City Football Group to make that decision no matter what Frank Lampard is making. Because if Frank Lampard prevents NYCFC from winning games, you fired Jason Christ because you didn't make the playoffs. If Patrick Vieira says we're a better team without Frank Lampard on the field, you let him make that decision. But then you do have that problem. Now you've got a situation where the fans... Are you going to be on the bench. That's right, and and this is not a league where you can justify that sort of expense sitting there not playing. Yeah, but anyway, like I said, we got our three points. I hope it's it's a, a sign of better things to come, and uh, I'm going to be at Yankee Stadium next Saturday. All so. right, there you go, Washington well, up when in I New call York. Next man. week, I'll be all horse. Uh, by the way, Washington, this is not your fault. I don't think it's connected to you in any stretch. I don't. I don't want to put this on NYCFC fans in general, but please explain to me why I saw a photo of a group of fans with a banner that said something like, "I don't know, whatever their name was," as their 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 supporters group. It wasn't one of the one. It wasn't the third ray. It wasn't one of the ones I know. And it said against modern football. How does that make any sense in an NYCFC yeah. context? Uh, unless the damn thing was photoshopped, Washington. It just. <laughs> What is that? I, I, I didn't see it. I okay. don't know what picture. You're I'm gonna go about. find this picture. I think I bet you Trevor saw it somewhere. I'm gonna go find this picture because it's amazing that there's these guys and and you know where <laughs> I don't know whatever. I'll find the picture. Washington, thanks for the call, man. Take care, man. There it goes. Uh, MLS season underway for NYCFC as they get three points over Chicago. Let's talk some uh, women's soccer. She believes Cup. Aaron in New Jersey. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, we had a good weekend. Uh, Crazy. The, weekend. I, yeah, I wanted to 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 just talk about the uh, Der Classic, which was I think pretty pretty awesome, and it's, uh, it's uh, it probably was pretty easy to miss because uh, the way Fox kind of moves coverage dynamically around all their stations, and you have to kind of hunt for things. But uh, it was a pretty you know pretty amazing match, and uh, and then also I just wanted to talk about the She Believes Cup, which I, I just I'm just kind of surprised just isn't getting more coverage um, by just kind of more of the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, sports media. And then obviously, you know, the, you know, some of the soccer media, because obviously it's, you know, it's basically like a world cup semifinal, um, you know, between you know, Germany, France, us, and England, um, you know, and, and uh, I, I'm just kind of surprised at just the whole approach that both U.S. soccer and I, I'd say even the media have taken when it comes to this. I mean, they're playing like Wednesday night, U.S. versus Germany. It's like on ESPN 10. Well, I know. Know, well, so, well, what do yeah. you, I mean, I guess what are the alternatives, Aaron? I mean, how, how do, this is a new tournament. Um, obviously, uh, um, U.S. soccer decided they wanted to bring something in-house. You can call it a money grab if you want, but it's fine. They attracted the best cl- uh, best teams in the world, or some of them anyway, while the Algarve Cup still goes on in Portugal, by the way. Um, yep. It is on television. It, it, it Maybe it is under the radar in part because it's a friendly tournament. 
um, the U.S. women play a lot of games. I mean, how do you make it stand out? Well, two things. When I mean, this is something about you know women's football in general. Uh, I've you know noticed over the years is that when the best teams play, it, it, you know, it ain't much of a friendly. I mean, it's they play hard. I mean, it's not a cheese friendly match when U.S. plays Germany or France or France plays Germany. I mean, these are they're they're playing for you know their uh, in some ways their preparation and because of the because of how stratified women's football is, um, you know, you don't get a chance that often to play the best. You know, you play a lot of kind of, you know, tier three preseason matches when you're, you know, one of the, you know, one of the five or seven powers. And, you know, when you get a chance to kind of bang with, with some of the, you know, you know, the real monsters out well, there, I mean, yeah. they take advantage of it. I don't know. And, I don't know. Aaron, I, would, I don't know if there was a yeah. better place on the schedule for this, but I mean, Bo is pointing out on Twitter that, you know, right now is tough. The MLS getting underway, at least from a soccer perspective. Um, you, you do have, you know, you have other sports. College basketball is getting to its crunch time. Um, there's, there's, uh, you know, for what that's worth, spring training is, is going on and taking uh, away some attention. There's always NFL stuff in the year, in the air. Peyton Manning just retired. I mean, you know, how, how do you do that? You know? Well, I, I mean, number one, I mean, the, the way they kind of, uh, you know, they put it in, you know, Florida and Tennessee, um, which I think is fine, but then they didn't really kind of link it or tie it to anything. And, 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 you know, if it's a money grab, I mean, let's be clear, the women's team from a return on investment is absolutely the best money grab the Federation has. I mean, the amount of dollars they spend and what they get back is, you know, it's not even comparable. Uh, to, to what they get from, you know, from the men's game. And so, you know, if you're going to do a money grab, you, then you do an effective money grab. You don't put it, you know, you don't put the final uh, or the last match on, on ESPN three. Well, yeah, but that's again, know, again, that, that's not, that's not us soccer's call is what I'm saying. Like that, that they can only work with, with what's available. And, and again, not that college basketball's tournament season is driving every conversation or even relevant in the soccer context, but it is, as Bo points out, again, eating up all of those broadcast windows. I mean, we've got to put the MAC Conference Championship on television. We've got to put the Southwestern East North American Atlantic Conference Championship on television. No, and 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 I would agree that when you look at, at some of the choices, and it was the same reason why you know you had you know Der, Der Classique on uh, Saturday on FX. Right, instead yeah. of on regular Fox, or which was weird to me on Fox one, two, or three when they were showing replays. Um, there's no, there's no Fox, understand. there's no Fox Sports three. Aaron, don't make things up. That doesn't exist. That's not. No, 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 no. I mean Fox, no Fox Sports. There's Fox, Fox Sports one, Fox Sports two, ah, and that's the third Fox ah, channel. Ah, and right. uh, <laughs> so Fox Sports two. The, uh, you know, whatever, 419 on Time Warner up here. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, my whole point is, is that you just didn't have, I think, a really smart approach to scheduling, okay. which I think is really kind of something a pro that, that you have in some of the networks is they don't really get how to get good schedules together. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. I just, you know, coming back to, uh, you know, to the Bundesliga uh, thing very quickly here, Aaron. Just and, and I'll and I'll I'll pick your brain before I have to shut the show down. Um, the 
the there's this notion out there, and, I, and I've seen this from several people that that I, I guess I, I guess I guess what it is is is, is it anger or upset or uh, just uh, what I don't, there, there's another word that my brain just does not want to pull up. It, it people are offended that the Bundesliga doesn't do better on television, and I'm I'm I'm. Mildly confused by this. Yeah, it's a great league. There's no doubting that. This notion that just because the soccer is good, the product will do well, misses so much about what's true in modern sports broadcasting, not just American context, they're not just in an American sphere, but around the world. I mean, the reason that we're, and again, I want to go diving into this pool again, but the reason we're talking about the Super League isn't because those people in uh, in Asia um, care necessarily about the legacy and 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 you know the quality of the of the league. They care about the bright lights and the the shiny packaging. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that there's a um, let's put it this way a a modern marketing of the Bundesliga that's missing, and that's kind of I think some of the appeal. Well, I, I would say it's, it's also that between it's, the Bundesliga. It's the criticism and, and what of Fox, Fox has done. Yeah, it's the criticism. Of, it's the criticism of Fox. I think that that is not not confusing to me, but I just think is misplaced. It's this. It's this thing like, oh, Fox is screwing up the Bundesliga. Well, wait a second. Hold on. This is you know this is the first year that they've got a real national television partner um, in the United States, and and I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess there needs to be some understanding that this isn't going to be. Put the get. They're not going to put the game on him in in their per, in their best window on a Saturday afternoon on Fox proper. There's, that isn't business wise. That's like, you know, that that's a huge risk on there. But I'm just I'm sorry. I don't even know why. I went yeah, on I, I mean, I, I, and, and, and I mean, the only thing I would say is that I think um, they both believed if they just you know kind of launched something, they were going to get some EPL kind of you know spillover. And that's obviously pretty clear that wasn't going to happen, you know, but, but at the same time, I would say that there's huge, you know, kind of opportunities um, in, in special markets and special channels that they're not necessarily taking advantage of. You know, there, there's obviously a love of Bayer Leverhusen by a certain segment of the population because they have a few players that, you know, that, that are doing both really well and, and appeal. Um, and obviously Bayern and Dortmund have, you know, a, a slew of, of, of hard hitting type players that they can obviously, um, kind of broadcast a little better. And then I would also say they, they can just build campaigns. I mean, you know, people forget that the Premier League kind of, you know, earned its way into, you know, half a million to a million people watching, you know, depends on the match and in some cases more. Um, and I don't think you get that just by showing, you know, uh, random scheduled matches that you haven't kind of pre-gamed, preempted, kind of, you know, in some ways kind of rolled out. Um, and I would say the real test is going to be next year and the year after. And, and that's going to determine if Fox stays with the Bundesliga or in some ways it goes to where I think it could have a natural home, which is being sports. Um, and I think yeah, but that's, know, that's like that. Well, where... okay. Again, I mean, from a Bundesliga perspective, even if the the contract is a lesser contract, if you have an eye on becoming something akin to the Premier League, at least in terms of success in this market, you can't go to be in sport. You can't. You have to stay on Fox. You have to stay with the 
broadcaster that has a, a, a legitimate share of the homes. I mean, I, I and I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I would agree, but only if Fox is committed to doing it, primarily because I, I do think there's a huge, and if you kind of know the Mexican market, the Bundesliga has always been a a solid, you know, let's call it, you know, second to third and a half place league in, 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 you know, Mexicans hearts because of all kinds of historical reasons. And, um, and, and I would just say that, you know, if, if Fox isn't really committed to it, and that's where I'm saying you give them another year, and I'd say probably a third year, but if, if you get the same results, no one's really putting any money and it's not even just money. They're, they're not putting kind of their, their, their ability to kind of, you know, innovate, you know, you know, behind this, um, when, when they broadcast, you know, not doing good pregame and postgame shows or not, you know, it's not hokey. And, and, and because if it stays that way, it's just, it's, it, you're going to get 50,000 people watching it yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes filler. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then they're not going to raise any money in it. And then eventually it's going to get sold to somebody else. I mean, to be really honest, at some point, I mean, at some point, I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta let you, let you go, Aaron. But at some point, we are talking about saturation. I mean, we're talking about oversaturation, and there being it's a great point you no bring up. Actually. More room. I mean, I just, I just can't. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I love that we have all of these options, but there's just there's only so much soccer that this market can take before people start going well. I got to pick something. And you know what happens? You get a herd mentality. And if the Premier League is more accessible and the, there's a cultural connection between the U.S. and, and England, that's going to drive interest there in a way that goes beyond the soccer, um, ever, you know, beyond soccer and, and, and that element. You know, you, you bring up a great point, which I, I know you got to run, but it, it's, it's the fact that, you know, and I was thinking about this just really in the last week or two is, is just we, we are reaching this kind of, massive, um, you know, like binary switch from almost nothing available to kind of everything available. If you go anywhere else in the world, you just don't get actually this much football available this cheaply. You know I mean? Basically if you subscribe to any one of the decent providers and buy one of their sports packages for 20 bucks a month, I mean, you kind of get like 10, 15 leagues and, and you're not paying like one off per league like you do in most other countries. No. Um, and fancy satellite providers and all that stuff, which kind of keeps you, you know, honed in. Yeah. And and I, I I totally agree that you do run into this this fundamental problem uh, where and you, I, have, you know three four five networks uh, that are uh, kind of broadcasting everything. Yeah, I have a I have a theory too. I mean, again, you know, we live in a consumer society. You give what the people what they want, but I have I have this theory or this inkling of a theory that I haven't really fleshed out. That is. Uh, because the because the the soccer is so available, and because it comes from so many different places with so many different influences coming down on American soccer, it makes it harder, not easier, harder for American soccer to develop. Not and and it's you know it's shades of gray, and it's it, you can have a discussion over whether or not the word harder even applies, but it definitely changes the nature of development of an independent and wholly contained soccer culture in our country period and you know yeah, and, you know and you're totally right you know the one thing i would say is that mls i think this year has a great chance to really take a leap because i think the how effort that the major broadcasters are putting in is very different this year than it was in, in prior we, years we shall and, see. and you just see it i mean 
Aaron, I'm sorry to cut you off, man. It's a great discussion yep. as always. Got to run. Thank you. Uh, there goes Aaron in Jersey. Always a good call. Thank you to Washington. Aaron, Nelly, Al, thank you to Charlie Bohm for his con- uh, contributions today on the MLS uh, season getting underway yesterday. Ten games, man. Wow. Now, if you thought we didn't give enough attention to any one of those particular games, make sure you check out Sirius XM, FC Channel 85. That's where we'll do it more in-depth, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks again. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.